When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, we're going to talk about some of the worst humans in all of sci-fi. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Kevin. I'm Connor. And I'm Jaden. All right, guys. So today we were going to talk about Cerberus. I know you guys were talking about this with me a couple weeks ago. We were talking to kind of, Connor, you've been playing Mass Effect uh, yourself uh, lately. Slowly but surely. Yep, chipping away. Yep. At, uh, I'm on Mass Effect 2 right now. I've played one and... Uh, haven't touched three yet, so I know I'm going to be missing some context here. I'm going to be leaning on you guys to fill in the gaps for me, but yeah, excited to talk Cerberus, especially as a follow-up to our conversation about Ashley last time. Um, yeah, I think that the conversation that we had la- last time will lead uh, beautifully into this one because this is almost like a other side of the coin scenario here. It's another path that could have been traveled for Ashley's life, at least in my opinion. Yeah, um, I've been playing one now uh replaying it and it's just so crazy to see like cerberus and just like kind of their journey in the games because they themselves are kind of a character uh as an organization and because honestly what we're going to really be talking about here is kind of how you know most villains they don't really see themselves as the villain right like villains are always kind of they think they're doing something you know good in their eyes and so in Cerberus's eyes they kind of care so much for humanity that like fighting against what they think is you know their alien rulers and all this stuff will free humanity and then kind of create like a galactic society where humanity can thrive and like that's like their whole kind of spiel and we see them completely differently in a completely different perspective in Mass Effect 1 but then in Mass Effect 2 we kind of join them so it's it's a whole different uh lens that we view them with so i think the whole argument of what they are is i don't want to say it's a gray area but it's just kind of it's kind of interesting to see like an internal perspective rather than from the outside you know right they kind of take on different shapes throughout the the series like in like you said in the first game they're in the background they they, they yep. you only really get references to them throughout the first game but they seem like a you know fringe radicalist faction you know, working in humanity's best interest, or at least what they think humanity's best interest is. And then, yeah, we get a more nuanced look at them in Mass Effect 2. Like, you kind of get a feel for how people like Jacob, Miranda, whoever, how do they buy into the Cerberus mission? What appeals to them about it? And I think that's important. Like, exploring that kind of thing is important for understanding why Cerberus does what it does, how it got started. And then maybe we can get into where it all went wrong and maybe Mass Effect 3 yeah. or down the road. But yeah, it's it, you know, it's kind of like, let's what's their side of the story? What, what were they uh, attempting to do? And Why are you the way you are? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
And exactly. I mean, thinking about, you know, there's always a message when you join an organization or a group or something. There's always like a, a theme or a message that people rally to. to that's the reason why they join. So it's kind of it's going to be kind of cool to see everything and kind of why these people are joining Cerberus and what's their backing and, and you know, what's their history. So let's I, I mean, Jaden, I get I figure we'll start it off. I mean, you, you're a knowledgeable Mass Effect person. What is Cerberus? The organization itself uh, is kind of an offshoot of other political groups. Uh, they're more of an organization that focuses on the the betterment of humanity, but by any means necessary. Where other organizations and political groups try to make themselves seem strong, you know, through the legal system, they're more of like, uh, imagine if like your favorite lobbyist group also had a black ops unit. <laughs> like imagine, imagine if uh, an oil company also had a guy who would sneak in and plant the illegal documents himself. You mean they don't? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's fair, but I like to pretend we live in a world where we don't have that. Unfortunately, who knows? Um, their, their whole goal is to make sure that humanity is first, no matter the cost. Right. And I think that's where that, that last part, no matter the cost, it kind of gets an area where you're like, hmm, yeah, but doesn't everything have a cost? Uh, some parallels that you could draw between the two organizations is from another sci-fi universe of Star Trek with uh, Section 31, where they're a, a small, you know, tiny organization attached, but not officially attached to the heroes faction, if you will. And they're kind of, you know, you don't want to root for them because their methods are considered dirty compared to, you know, the more clean cut protagonists that you play as. Right. All right. All right. So. That's the gist of it, but let's kind of delve in a little bit deeper here. Uh, I guess we'll say, like, what's their starting point? Like, what what happened to create Cerberus? So, in the early time of humans, you know, interacting with alien species for Mass Effect, it wasn't great. It was <laughs> one would say it was very violent. It was, it, you know, the first fights broke out, and honestly, the whole thing, the first contact war. That's what right. that's what humanity calls it. It was just a misunderstanding. Humans, they were just going around the galaxy, activating mass relays, you know, without a thought. And then they didn't know galactic rules. And they didn't know that they're not supposed to do that. They didn't know about the Rachni. They didn't know about anything. Hey, there's no parking here after nine. <laughs> and then they started a war. Literally, yeah. <laughs> Literally, that's basically The Turians it. came to give us a parking ticket and the shooting started. And pulled <laughs> out a magnum. <laughs> it was a traffic violation, a galactic basically. traffic violation. That was That's what the first contact war was. So now we have the first contact war. And with that, already had aggressive relations with other species as humanity was, you know, new to the community. And its first experience was... Was not that great. It was it was just aggression. That was humanity's first experience with mm-hmm. other aliens, and the first contact war was the first step in kind of like a stairway that led to Cerberus. It was viewed as like a minor conflict to all these other species, but to humanity, I mean, it was like one of the biggest things ever. It was a big deal, and I mean, rightly so. Like they they got their shit rocked. Yes, and the only reason the only reason. It was okay at the end. Well, I say okay. It, the only reason it ended, if you will, was because the council was like, hey, 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 none of that, none of that. And that was basically it. Yeah. Which is actually, it brings up a very good point because I don't know when, when you play through the games, you don't really see any other factions having uh, an organization as big as Cerberus. And I think that mostly mm-hmm. comes down to the fact that humanity was blindsidedly thrown into yep. this conflict. I don't know if that's a phrase, but I, I like to believe it is. Um, and I think that, you know, humanity 
I jokingly say we watched too many alien movies and then we realized aliens were real. We we're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. somebody's got to do something yep. about this. Yeah, I think the experience of losing the first intergalactic war, interstellar war, <laughs> well, encountering aliens, losing a war against them, and then having, then finding go. out that there's a government of these aliens who suddenly impose their will upon us, that's a lot of really big paradigm shifts happening all at once. <laughs> yep. Like back to back to back to back, humanity just, you know, having to realign their entire reality like several times that's going to put people in a very defensive almost paranoid mood i think so yeah yeah. an organization like cerberus is inevitable from that kind of circumstance i think so especially as it's like the first experience for the introduction kind of to the galactic community do you guys think the first contact war would have led to like a different outcome had the Citadel taken it like more seriously, like right off the bat? I think the 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 thing you have to understand is the introduction to this new alien society was going to be jarring and upsetting, regardless of whether or not shots were fired before they were introduced. Mm-hmm. I think you gotta remember uh humanity as a species, we just we like things to stay the same. Change is a scary thing, and this is literally the biggest change you could possibly have. Humanity goes from being alone and by itself to being a very, very small player in a very big world. All of a sudden, you know, the politicians and the senators uh, who had all this power as being, you know, the senator of, you know, North America, all of a sudden they're just, they watch over a, a small pond you know, compared to what the, the the chairman of the Turian Empire might have. Yeah. You know, their their power, which honestly, you know, that might be a lot where a lot of Cerberus's anger comes from is from politicians who feel like they don't have any power anymore. So they had to find a way to build an organization that maybe makes them feel strong again because they are so small in this new galaxy. Exactly. And just to add to that, I think even like hypothetically to answer your question, Kevin, I think if you had a hypothetical situation where instead of the Turians just opening fire on human explorers immediately and starting the first contact war, I think if instead of that happening, like a council liaison, you know, representing the Asari, the Turians, the Salarians, whoever kind of like as a group approached humanity and said, hey, nice to meet you. By the way, we need you to go ahead and stop activating Mass Effect Relays because that's kind of yeah. not cool. And here's why: we'll explain to you why. I think if that had happened as like a peaceful overture, um, you know, the first contact war might have been avoided, and I think humanity might have entered the the Citadel community on a better footing. But even even if you had all that, I think you still would have a lot of mistrust among certain elements of the Systems Alliance. Like there would still be humans who would mm-hmm. feel vulnerable yeah. and powerless and just uh i guess um what's the word suspicious of these new civilizations that we're suddenly kind of answering to on some level or another so yeah i mean things could have been a lot different but i think you would still have people gravitating toward a message like cerberus's yeah i mean i i don't think it would be as jarring as you think Jaden, because only because if humanity is already on other planets and is expanding i think that the mindset of we're bound to find something eventually is already there. But I do think that, Connor, you're right. Like, if it was less aggression in the beginning, I think it would have been more excitement and acceptance. 
but still obviously very much like there would obviously be mm-hmm. suspicion because I, I eventually because after the con- first contact war propaganda was just all over the place with humanity yeah. and i still think that would still happen like they had all this like fear of human genocide and you know all the information circles for um humanity like that was their biggest thing like all of a sudden a manifesto was created and that was by the elusive man at the time and and that was kind of what sparked cerberus and i think the the initial spark was the first contact war and how it was handled i i i do think it would eventually still be a slow burn if there wasn't but this was like all on like fire like in two seconds i mean the best example that i can think of uh to counter your point there is uh the planet pluto Notice I said planet because I still believe that Pluto is a planet. We are hill to die later. on, but okay. Now imagine if you were to tell me Pluto is not only not a planet, but populated by aliens. I think I'd have some things to say about that. There you go. And that's just how humanity is. It's like we, we, we think something and we accept it the way we, we want to believe it is rather than what it actually is. And humans being suddenly told, oh, you're not the most powerful thing in the galaxy. Actually, you're not even one of the top 10. Have you met the Geth? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, Jaden, that that does demonstrate just how insignificant humanity suddenly was on the galactic scale. Like, like we, we've touched on before, we like on last episode and already on this one, just driving home how important it is to know that humanity's place in the galaxy completely changed overnight. So we're not the big man on top anymore. We're in this holy, this whole new dynamic of having to cooperate with the Citadel species. And you know, when, and as you mentioned, Kevin, with the Cer- with Cerberus propaganda starting to circulate, like you know, just sort of that's that's where they got their start, really. Like, and at the grassroots level of, hey, here's a flyer, don't trust the aliens. But it eventually escalated, didn't it, to uh, more than propaganda at, at a certain yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, humanity. That's the thing. Like, we all of a sudden we are a young species. We don't know all, as much as we think. We, you know, we're, we're the new guy on campus and, you know, that's, that's scary. Um, and so, you know, we played on that fear and then it became not just propaganda. Then Cerberus attacked Citadel space and it was like a whole thing. And it was viewed as a terrorist attack to Cerberus. They were showing that they did not, you know, they didn't have to abide by their mm. new oppressors rules or anything like that. But that to them, <laughs> everybody else, it was it was a terrorist attack. Thank God they considered a terrorist attack, too, because could you imagine the entire galaxy just turning around <laughs> and stomping on humanity? It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. We and honestly, there would have been precedent for them to do that because they've encountered hostile species. And just like the last time they didn't snuff them out immediately, they regretted it. So it's very surprising that they didn't launch a harsh reprisal against america uh, america humanity yeah i I think yeah everyone alive in the mass effect universe owes their owes their existence to the citadel deciding not to just genocide people because what cerberus did so that's a good point i never thought of that before yeah i mean cerberus sees like you know as a new organization now they are more powerful than their you know big galactic rulers like that's their whole mm-hmm. thing is they just felt like oppressed and that they were going to be you know controlled as humans humanity was going to be right. controlled by the citadel and it was no more free will for humans you have to abide by these rules and you don't have a say they're already set in stone that's the other thing is like human humanity you know we've we've created our own rules as we've gone you know and now all of a sudden we're just thrown at 
this this new world that has all these new rules that we didn't have a say in. So that's yeah. kind of like it, you get this weird oppressive feeling. Yeah, it's basically the uh, plot of Batman v Superman. It's just <laughs> aliens show up and you don't <laughs> trust them, and you just assume that they're going to oppress you at some point. So you decide to take them out first. So is is the elusive man Lex Luthor? Then? No, he's more he's Batman. I think he's he's Bruce Wayne. Say, oh, the, the elusive okay. man is way cooler than. <laughs> That version of Bat, of Joe of uh of, I'm like of what's his name Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg is terrible. But that's another tangent for another night. Now we did mention the elusive man. That's Who thing. is the elusive man? Is he is he a man or just an illusion? As his name he's suggests. He's so damn elusive, man. <laughs> That's a thing, like, you know, as far as I've played, he's just some guy who just kind of shows up and introduces you to I I, I guess yeah. his place in the story, or at least as far as I can tell, is he represents the uh ideal of Cerberus. He kind of like is there to put a soft touch on it. Like he shows up and says, hello, Commander Shepard. Uh, you know, you may have heard of me and my movement. You've probably heard some slander against me. You maybe heard me labeled a terrorist, but let me assure you, I simply have humanity's best interests at heart. And that's kind of like his whole deal. Uh, it's kind of like, please ignore the casual genocide <laughs> that I wish to impose upon the galaxy. And just remember that I'm a good guy. See the, try to see the positives of this, uh, bombing i tried to uh pull off on the citadel and things like that by the way i definitely did illegal experiments to bring you back from the freaking dead yeah really that's another thing yeah i mean we're, ethics be damned we're not gonna I'm make this episode man. you know yeah th this is not an episode about the elusive man but he he i think he does represent something interesting about cerberus is kind of like that just he's he's the most quantifiable version of cerberus that we could discuss in if cerberus right. was a person he would be the thing we would talk about, but which is why we, we bring a lot of, about him up. But it's not all about him because yeah. sometimes he makes selfish decisions that are in more in line with his personal beliefs than of Cerberus itself or even humanity. All right, we're going to keep this conversation going. But first, a quick break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, that's an evolving thing because he did create Cerberus. So it is kind of his baby brainchild thing. But then I think Cerberus grows so much to where it, I don't want to say it's out of his control, but it definitely starts to evolve. You have so many different factions within yeah. Cerberus that there's just a lot going on. And obviously he, that's why he created kind of like a, a feudal, like, you know, system of like hierarchy. But again, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about him that much because this is about the organization as a whole, not just one person. Um, but Cerberus is, you know, the word Cerberus, it's a gatekeeper, the guardian of humanity. So that's kind of like a thing in terms of the naming and everything. And once we meet him, just like what Connor said, like we realize that he doesn't hate other species because he works with a bunch of other species. He doesn't have like hatred towards other species. He just wants to secure humanity's like dominance. And in his own manifesto, that was released, he kind of sparked the rise of Cerberus. That was his whole thing. But he didn't really say to hate other species. It was more of like humanity should be in charge of humanity kind of thing. 
that, just like what Connor said, like you meet him and he's trying to say like, hey, like look on the positive side, look at this, look at that. Again, another aspect of like a villain being like, sure, these things are necessary to be done, but I'm, I have all these good intentions. These, I'm not a bad guy. Trust me. So I don't know, Connor, you've, you've met him yes. now. Like you've, you've actually met him. My personal view, like my question to you is like, did meeting him kind of change your view of Cerberus and like of him? And like, cause, cause my, my thing is when I got to actually experience Cerberus in Mass Effect 2, it kind of changed how, for a lack of a better term, it almost humanized <laughs> them. Um, it just kind of made me kind of understand, like, yeah, right? Like, I kind of got to see their their backgrounds and, like, these people that I'm, I'm, I'm fighting with and everything and why they're where they are, almost like an anime <laughs> episode. You know, you're meeting, you're meeting these characters and you're understanding them better than just, like, a blank slate of, like, you know, Cerberus, Cerberus, Cerberus alliance like it's it you see why they pick their right. paths so i'm curious as to like after you meet him and like now that you've met some people in service what what do you think it did make me appreciate the idea that everyone has their reasons and everyone is kind of like the protagonist of their life and so it made me appreciate the idea that when the citadel doesn't center humanity's interests like if if things are happening like you know like at the beginning of, of mass effect 2 humans are being abducted and no one's really doing much about it. The Citadel's not really doing much about it. It does make me appreciate, like, well, someone has to do something about it, and Cerberus is able to, and they're willing to, so they're going to. So it's like kind of like they're doing what no one else will do. They're sticking up for humanity when no one else will. There is a nobility to that. It, it's it, that, but you get that slippery slope of that. You know, we come back to what you said, Kevin. Is just you know their goal is furthering humanity's goals at all costs, and it, and. Uh, I was about to say, like, mm -hmm. the, the message is always humanity first, but then right. you say, well, what about the rest of them? And they go, the rest of them? It, that's another thing. You know, there's, yeah. there's no consideration for what the other races' uh, uh, roles would be. If humanity's first, what happens to the rest of them? Yeah, that's, that's another thing about... There's no, there's no real plan in place for... There's, a, there's no step two. There's always step yeah. one, which is we become rulers of the galaxy, but then step two is like... Uh, we continue right. to be in charge. And it's like, well, that's not a sustainable 12-step uh, plan there. Step one, gain power. Step two, re retain power. Yeah. But that's And that does make me think of, like, is Cerberus's goal to achieve a dominant position in the galaxy for humans, or is it just to make sure that humans are able to remain independent, self-sufficient, like, not ruled by anyone else? And is there like leeway there? Is are they, are they, do they kind of go for both sometimes? Um, it's hard to tell. The, the 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 problem with that question that you posit is that the galaxy they exist in does not allow for them to be an independent, mm. you know, organization anymore. You know, humanity has to be a part of the greater galaxy or they will right. die. And I think Cerberus is hasn't mm -hmm. really caught on to that yet. They think that humanity can be strong on its own. And, uh, it's mm. that, 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 that way of life does not exist anymore. It stopped yeah. existing. You know, the second the Turians showed up and said, Hey, who are these idiots with guns? Yeah. It's almost like there's kind of a paradox to Cerberus where they want humans to be completely self-sufficient and like the, you know, the captains of their destiny and whatnot. Like they, they want humans to call the shots for humans. Like no one else makes decisions for us, but us. Yeah. But on the flip side of that is. You know, like you explained, Jaden, like that 
isn't really possible when you consider the Citadel is a factor. Like you have to deal with the Citadel, and you throw throw into the mix the uh, fact that Cerberus will work with aliens when they need to. Like they will cooperate with non-humans when the situation calls for it. So it's almost like what actually is your goal then? <laughs> like if you don't want to be part of the Citadel yep. community but you still want to work with aliens when it suits you it's kind of like well where where are your principles then like where's the line yeah it's it's very similar to um i i make par- parodies all the time to uh the fascist ideology you know fascist ideology when you look at it compared to uh the rest of the world it doesn't actually work because the only way fascism survives is when you have a constant enemy to struggle against exactly yeah and once humanity is on top what are we going to do next Right. You know, there's no, there is, there was no step two once fascism became the dominant ideology, if it had ever happened, mm. you know, it was going to collapse under its own weight at a certain time anyway. So yeah. humanity, if it ever became the strongest factor in that galaxy would definitely have just fallen apart due to complacency or due to some, some other factor, you know, it's not gonna, humanity was just too small to control the galaxy. Right. You know, it's a sad, it, it's, it's a sad fact for them, but it's true. You know, the Turians have, you know, hundreds of worlds. The Asari have hundreds of worlds. They have billions more people. Mm-hmm. You know, they've just been a part of the galaxy longer. Yeah. And they've had the room to grow. Yeah. I'm well well, that's the thing. I mean, like I said earlier too, you have all these rules that are already created as soon as humanity is there. Like there are we didn't have a say yeah. in everything. And so now there's a system, there's a human system of like government, like, you know, the system right. is what I mean. Like, you know, you have this this world with rules made by humanity. And then now you have this other world of rules, this galactic rule set that we didn't even have a say in. So it's, it's when you meet these people, not just the elusive man. Now, now you're meeting other Mm -hmm. people in the organization. You kind of get to know them and you kind of get to see that they're there because in some way they were failed by the current system. And and whether it be the human system, the the current human system or the current galactic system, they were failed by a system. And Cerberus was the one that was like, hey, Mm -hmm. I will help you. And to them, they see Cerberus as like, hey, this system is working for me and it can work for other people. And I can see other people struggling in the current systems and I can see how terrible it is for them. And so I'm going to join this one and I'm going to try to you know, I'm going to try to help these people that are not in Cerberus. I want them to be a part of Cerberus. And that's the thing is nobody ever, again, like I said earlier, nobody ever sees themselves as the villain. They see themselves as trying to help. It's just, how yeah. are you being perceived? Like, like this situation, now, personally, Cerberus, <laughs> asshole. I'm going to just throw it out there like, uh-uh, organization, nah, uh-uh, I'm not advocating for Cerberus. No, I will say to them, they don't see it that way. Absolutely. And I think like what I was getting at it, it was a roundabout answer to your original question, Kevin, of like what, what meeting the members of Cerberus tells you as a player. And that, that is like, even as Jade and I, we hashed out just now is like, even if the long-term goals of Cerberus don't all add up. And even if it's kind of an unsustainable project of, you know, humanity needs to stand alone, even if there's like kind of a dead end at the end of that road, the moment to moment values that Cerberus represents is still very attractive to a lot of people. And many of those people become close companions to us as the player, like Miranda, Jacob, and everyone else. Mm -hmm. And we kind of get to know, like, what's the appeal here. And I think we've, I think we've hit on that is that a system failed you. Uh, the Citadel doesn't look out for you. The Human Systems Alliance seems kind of incompetent. Like no one is, seems to be centering your concerns as a human being 
in the modern galaxy and especially when the collectors show up like then holy shit like who who else yep. is gonna help you and yeah like you said kevin uh, cerberus represents itself we are the alternative to all of that and that that's very attractive like i can see the attract yeah. the appeal there and it's, no one's gonna be in that position of receiving a helping hand from cerberus and think these guys are the bad guys because you know that's not what they look like well yeah i mean if you look at if you look at shepherd for instance how do they you know, how as Shepard working with Cerberus, how do they appeal to Shepard? Like, that's the whole thing is like... They say his life, for one. <laughs> his or her, yeah. sorry. I, well, yeah, okay, sure. Right. You brought me back from the dead. But, like, even then, Shepard's kind of like, yeah. what the fuck right. am I doing here? Like, why am I here? Like, I don't want to help you. And so... You're paying off your elaborate medical bill, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. American that's healthcare thing, like, survives Cerber- into the future, and you must suffer from it. <laughs> And that's the thing. The system yeah. sucks, guys. The current system ain't cracking it for Shepard. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like, Cerberus, they eventually even help Shepard prove that the Reapers right. are real. Like, like they believe them. They believe Shepard. They are like, hey, the Reapers are a real thing. We want to help you. And the current system, the Citadel, doesn't mm-hmm. want to hear it. Fighting a war doesn't seem like Cerberus. Why are you involved? We're committed to the advancement and preservation of humanity. If the Reapers are targeting us, trying to wipe us out, Cerberus will stop them. If we wait for politicians or the Alliance to act, no more human colonies will be left. Even though they saw a Reaper <laughs> at the, the, the like, yeah. like they saw the Reaper. They fought a Reaper yeah. at the end of Mass Effect 1, and they're still yeah. like, eh, eh, we got one. We defeated it. It shouldn't, it can't be that bad. Kevin, that was a whole five minutes ago. <laughs> Who can remember that far back? Yeah, what? What? I don't know. But that's the thing. Like, this places the organization itself, Cerberus, in a really good light with the galactic community, like helping prove the Reapers are a threat and kind of overshadows the galactic government. And like, they start gaining like a lot more power. They start like having bigger ships and bigger uh, stations in Citadel space and they don't get messed with. Like, they're just there now and they are, they're a, they're now the big guys like they they're it's a catalyst in proving the weakness and lack of action of mm-hmm. the citadel itself and they already had like you know all these companies and other kind of forms of income and stuff but now like they, they had to hide from you know what i mean like it was like secret secret companies that would funnel in money to Cerberus. but now they just partnered with the first human specter and they did it you know, they right. did what the Citadel couldn't do. And and so service, they were able to kind of operate like in the open a little bit more. And, and it kind of, I think it's crazy that they were able to, to sh- not necessarily just, sh- just shadow, but they were able to kind of like push aside the galactic government and kind of like be almost a quote beacon of hope, if you will, for not just humans. They started getting other species on their side because they were like, Hey, look, I live in the galaxy. I like living in the galaxy. The Reapers <laughs> don't like me living in the galaxy. The Citadel government, they say they like me living in the galaxy, but they're not yeah. doing anything for me. But Cerberus, they're doing something for me. And I live in the galaxy. I like it here. So I, I, I don't know about you, but who would I choose? That's kind of how these other factions and species and stuff are starting to feel because the Citadel they yeah. just didn't do shit. I mean, I think any politician will tell you like, the easiest way to gain support and votes is, is to tangibly impact people's lives in a positive way. Like when you, when you show mm-hmm. up for people, when you do yep. something for them, they're going to remember that. And yeah, what, and yeah, like it's, it's interesting how, you know, we, we've talked about how Cerberus 
sort of presented itself early on, but now it's going through this big change of coming out of the shadows into the public, into the light. And they're they're no longer a clandestine spy ring, basically. They they are they're almost a pseudo government of their own. They are a big kid on the block, they're a major player. My question though is Kevin and Jaden. How does that change them? Where does Cerberus go from there? Do they maintain that mission of serving humanity, or uh, do they take a turn? Because I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> well, well, sure. I have I have a counter question for Jaden. Then, so so even you too. No, uh, I mean, me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do I think? Shut up, Connor. It's my time. <laughs> Where do they go from here? I mean, it. I think that depends because. Like helping Shepard and helping, like, you know, fight the collectors and prove that the Reaper, because it's not just to fight the collectors, it's also mm-hmm. to prove that the mm-hmm. Reapers are a threat and they are here mm-hmm. and they're coming and they're, they're ready to kill us. What's like, do you think that that's only to help humanity or just everyone as a whole? Because Cerberus does see other species as a way to help humanity and they do work with the, I mean, like, the crew for Shepard's crew is not just only human. And even the elusive man was like, yeah, that's fine. Okay. And, and that's the thing is like, do you think it's to help humanity or do you think like doing all this stuff to try to prove the Reapers, collectors, all that, do you think that's for the entire community? Because no matter what, it's going to affect both. Here's what I'm going to say here. Um, the uh, Cerberus that we meet in Mass Effect 2 is not the Cerberus that we, that we see before or since. The Cerberus that was created by the elusive Correct. man on the ship of the Normandy 2 is a version that the elusive man thought would be appealing to Shepard. Mm. He grabbed people and personnel that he thought were not his hardcore, uh, you know, faithful. They were guys that he felt Shepard would be comfortable with. And the big issue that you have with that is, you know, Cerberus's goal at the beginning of Mass Effect 2 is to investigate why human colonies are being attacked. You know, the the fact that they were being used Mm -hmm. to build a human reaper uh, that uh, that was more of a happy coincidence for Cerberus. They were like, ah, see, it is connected to the Reapers. You know, that was kind of like a, it was kind of a baited question that he threw to Shepard, where he was like, yeah, you know, hey, some, some, some weird things are happening. Is it related to the Reapers? I don't know. Maybe you should look into that. Here's a ship, you know, because uh, the whole time Elusive Man is trying to convince Shepard that Cerberus is the right organization for him to follow and that he's in the right which is why of course he doesn't say anything when Shepard's like well I want to bring in my alien mm-hmm. crew I mean there's even moments when you talk like when when you know when Garrus or any of the others join the crew and you talk to some of the human Cerberus crewmates they're like oh, I don't know about how I feel about serving with a Turian you know my grandfather fought in the war you know and it's like ooh, yeah these are the guys that like they're the nice version of Cerberus but they're still Cerberus you know they don't necessarily entirely trust the aliens that are aboard their ship. I think I see exactly what you mean. And I was going to say something similar, actually, Jaden, is that, you know, my take on why Cerberus would work in the interests of non-humans is it comes back to, I think that that's an ulterior thing. That's an ulterior motive. I think that it's not Cerberus's goal to help aliens. Definitely. That's kind of like the opposite of their goal. But I think the elusive man is, you know, pragmatic enough and he thinks enough steps ahead to know that you know if if you gain allies in you know among the turians and the asari and the krogan salarians whoever if you gain allies among other species that can only help humanity so it's even if it looks like he's helping aliens he's really doing it to help humans so it's absolutely and, and 
They are means to an end. They are not his friends. Not just me here sitting nodding my head the entire time. Uh, I definitely think that you guys are right. Like, I think he sees them as, like, other species as tools um, rather than individuals and, like, you know, sentient creatures, if you will. And, and that's the thing, like, post Mass Effect 2, it's, I, I actually titled this part A Road Too Dark for Light because I really think that it's, it, it's just shows the pathway that they go down. And it just, it's so bad the, that it's like all, any good that was there is just fizzled out, gone. I feel that the, the, the Cerberus that you see in Mass Effect 3 is Cerberus in its truest and purest form. Really? Hmm. They are not even pretending to care about other species anymore. They are, they are fully unleashed on a galaxy that is in chaos. They are like, you got, they, you know, in their minds, the Reapers are the way that they're cleansing the galaxy and paving the way. They've leveled the playing field for their faction to rise. You know, the Turians and the, the Asari are too busy mm-hmm. fighting the Reapers to worry about us. Now it's time for us to take the power. And we're going to use our new, our new tools to, to do that. See, I see them kind of as an organization going from, like, helping to expose the Reapers and, like, you know, the weaknesses of the Citadel to fighting against, you know, the... Alliance and then Shepard like that they went from fighting the collectors who were also damn like they were part of the Reaper collective if you will they were killing humans they were destroying human colonies all of a sudden it's like ah, I don't mind about that don't worry about it we fixed that part like no what the hell like you went from that to <laughs> aligning with that like I feel like that like obviously like there's indoctrination involved and there's a bunch of other shit but like I just think that you have to take that into account because, like, obviously thinking, like, oh, I can control the Reapers, I can bring humanity as the sole rulers of the galaxy, like, I understand that as, like, their thought process of, like, you know, humans first kind of thing, but it doesn't make sense unless you factor in, like, any type of indoctrination, because that, like, why would they try to, I don't want to say align themselves, but, like... It's it's pure hubris, Kevin, it's just, like, it's the idea that he, the elusive man believes that he's so powerful that he can control a billion-year-old entity that has done this. I mean, if you think about how many thousands of times has an an alien species risen up from the dirt and said, I can control the Reapers. Yeah. I understand this well. Like, this is literally a cycle that has gone on for millennium. And and, and so this is not the first time that someone has has drank his own Kool-Aid and then drank the Reaper Kool-Aid and thought, oh, yeah, I got this. I can totally control not only them, but my myself in the process. Yeah. The whole theme here is no one thinks they're the villain. Everyone thinks they have more control that they, than they do. And there's that trope of always assuming you are the exception. Like Jaden said, like there have yeah. been eons and eons of species or individuals thinking this time it'll be different. But it might work for it us. It might work for us. And yeah, it's like, it's also that old uh, adage of you can just change things from the inside. If you go to, you know, where the action is, where the bad guys are doing the bad stuff and you join them and you can change what they do from the inside, it usually doesn't work that way. So it's, I think, you know, Cerberus is another classic example of starting out with great intentions or at least understandable intentions and Mm -hmm. kind of falling into that trap of, you know, the intoxication of power and thinking that uh, you're the exception. So... And eventually you lose the point of what you want, what you wanted to do in the first place. Like they wanted to avoid humanity being dominated and they end up 
being a dominating force upon humanity. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, they. I think. I think towards the end, uh, the elusive man basically was like, "Well, somebody has to be king of the ashes, and it might as well be me." Yeah. 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 Do you okay? So, Jaden, how do you think that? I mean, you kind of already said it, but if they didn't, so so you're. T- I we were talking Mass Effect two. Now we're on three. If Cerberus, you know, wasn't indoctrinated and all this other shit, like, how do you feel they would have fared post Reaper? Obviously, we don't have like Mass Effect four is not out yet, but how do you feel Cerberus would be if that didn't happen post like Reaper War? Um, honestly. At best, they would have been ostracized from every manner of society. You know, that's this is the one of the one major factions that not only did not help us, but it actively worked against us. Oh, no, no, no. And- I mean, I mean, if they didn't get indoctrinated and they still were- I mean, that if they're not indoctrinated, they're not Cerberus. That's the problem you come into. Mm. Cerberus themselves, they're, they're an organization that is based off of humanity being dominant and that they shot their shot and they failed. Yeah. They failed hard. You know, Shepard himself put them down. I don't think that the organization of Cerberus can exist without the indoctrination. I think the mm. Cerberus believing that humanity must come first is their way of life. That is their core belief and their core reason for being. And I think if you take that away from them, they're, they're nothing more than a social club. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. So then I guess... My other, I mean, well, Connor, like, do you think, like, similarly, like, do you think, like, you know, Cerberus is always doomed to fail? Like, I, that's the thing, like, do you guys think Cerberus was doomed from the beginning? Yes, I think that the, that Cerberus uh, represents the last vestiges of old world thinking. They believe that the world could go back to the soft, comfortable world that they are used to when that world died 40 years ago when the yeah. first Turians arrived. They are clinging to the belief that they can be special in a world full of special people, and that no longer is an option for them. And it, 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 the realization came very hard and very fast when they thought they could control ancient beings with unlimited power, and it blew up in their faces quite literally. I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. I, I, my only uh, thought on top of that would just be that I think even if they never tried to control the Reapers, even if they you know, just sort of maintained their course and they stayed in the shadows, so to speak. Or maybe they, you know, help expose the Reapers in Mass Effect 2 and they help Shepard uh, bring light to this crisis. But even even if they'd never gotten too big for their britches and, you know, their reach exceeded their grasp as badly as it did, even if none of that happened, I think you'd still run into the problem of Cerberus uh, fracturing and sort of disintegrating due to a difference in goals i think or difference in philosophies i think when you have people who are idealistic and join cerberus with sort of a noble intentions of i just i just want to help my people i just want to make sure someone's looking out for the human colonies that are being abducted and whatnot when you have those people eventually butt up against the actual human supremacists who maybe joined cerberus and truly do drink the Kool-Aid that humans are superior and need to rule the galaxy, you're going to have conflict. And I think Cerberus would eventually have just torn themselves apart anyway, even if they hadn't tried to control the Reapers. That's absolutely. And I'm going to leave you with one final point, uh, gentlemen. If Cerberus's goal truly was just making sure humanity was on top, it would have disbanded when humanity took over the Citadel Council. Yeah. That was the, I mean, that's the old, that's literally the ultimate power in the galaxy of humans being in charge of, of galactic affairs. Their job is done. 
Well, yeah, guys, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. And check out our YouTube page for bonus videos and highlights. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you in the galaxy next time.